listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your host Micah from Fifth Quarter ACC and Dan from ACC Content. Dan, how are we doing? Baseball's back. Yes, sir. Um, very excited for that. 60-game season, even your Orioles, anything could happen. It's a small sample. Um, go Mets. And, you know, we got NC State today, so, you know, that should be an exciting topic, I guess. I mean, I think because of baseball coming back, we should just change this to an NC State baseball pod because at least we have something to- promising to talk about. But uh, no shots there at NC State. Sorry, Bailey. But, but exactly. But you know, it, it's definitely you know. You mentioned the Orioles. I, I'm on the I'm on board for 0 and 60 tanking for Rocker. But you know, whatever. However, we decide to do it. This might be the year. My best friend's a Mets fan uh, down in Florida. And, we were talking. This is the year the Mets win the World Series, so I hope you're you're ready for a World Series run, Dan. This wow. is just this is perfect Mets. You can't tank in June if you don't play in June. That's so, that's actually time. very true, but you know we don't have Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> He's hurt. I don't know what the deal is with the Tanzas, but yeah, I like our team. <laughs> You'll be all right. I, I believe in you guys, but yeah. Now, of course, on the talk of NC State, you know we made the joke about you know the football team compared to the baseball team. NC State is our last ACC true champion since sports got canceled. Yeah, Florida State, you know, was handed the men's basketball title, but of course the women's team won the, the championship. That was the last ACC sanctioned and completed championship event. So, you know, NC State's got that momentum riding to it. Let's see if we can carry over to football at all. But in all seriousness, there's so much that we don't know about NC State. And I don't mean that as in, you know, just Dan and I don't know. I think Dan can kind of attest to this. Not many people know that much about what to expect with NC State. Dan's going to kind of talk about the the four Q, uh, geez, QB um, you know, battle going on right now between Devin Leary and Bailey Hockman and Matthew McKay. And I, I'm forgetting the fourth guy. I believe it will be Ty Evans. So, you know, it's just so little we know about NC State for football this year. Of course, the defense is only bringing back four starters. So, you know, a lot to kind of dive in and talk about with NC State. A lot of us are pessimistic. Some of us are a little bit more uh, on board for at least, you know, a return to a bowl game. But, you know, 2019, NC State definitely underperformed. Uh, I mean, a 4-8, and 1-7 and seven season in the ACC. Of course, that loss to Georgia Tech on a, a Thursday or Friday night. I can't remember which one it was uh, in the end, later in late November. Kind of put the icing on the cake as NC State kind of being labeled the worst team in the conference. Um, you know, of course, it's kind of up for debate on who you want to talk to because they did beat Syracuse. But I mean, wasn't much room for optimism with NC State, and I think their best win last year probably was Ball State, who still just missed the bowl game in the MAC. So, you know, between that and the Syracuse game, there really wasn't much optimism in, in 2019. The quarterback play was very, very inconsistent. Devin Leary kind of stood out as the as the top quarterback, but I mean he had eight touchdowns and five interceptions. Um, didn't complete. Uh, he was under fifty percent on his completions, pass completions. So, you know, there, there there is a lot we should talk about with NC State. Uh, but Dan, I'll give you a chance to kind of just what were your your feelings on twenty nineteen for NC State, and do you think it's a a, a, a sign of what's to come for the wolf pack or was that just kind of uh you know you lose eli drinkowitz you lose um you know of course a, a, a top quarterback and ryan finley you know is that kind of 
what you would say was kind of part of the you know the decline last season not just a, a one-off kind of event or you know should we expect this to kind of continue in 2020 2021 kind of wanted to get your feelings on how you thought the 2019 season for the Wolfpack went and you know kind of what you think it means for the future yeah man it was a rough year last year like you said they had really no particularly good wins they also got crushed by Boston College, Wake, and Florida State. Um, a big part of last year, aside from that rough quarterback situation, um, was the fact that they turned the ball over a ton. They were 126 in the FBS in actual turnover margin. And then if you adjust it to projected, it's last in the FBS. So definitely not good in the ball security department. But, you know, improvements could be made. Uh, a little bit of experience coming back, especially on the offensive side of the ball and a very good offensive line, one of the top offensive lines in the country. So slight improvements, I believe, will be made. Um, Of course, you know, the rest of the ACC is going to be better in the middle of the pack especially, so it might be tough to rack up a couple more wins than they had last year. But, you know... They have new coordinators on both sides of the ball. On the offensive side, Tim Beck comes in with a very good resume, actually. He was the former co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State and most recently at Texas, the full-time offensive coordinator. And um, they also promoted Tony Gibson on the defensive side from the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach to the full-time defensive coordinator. So 2020 should be... I think pretty similar. Ex- expect a little bit of a slight improvement just because the experience they return. But, you know, I'm not too high on the Wolfpack this year. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I think, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit previously, you know, with NC State, there's a lot of uncertainty. And, of course, COVID-19 doesn't help <laughs> breaking in new coaches. You know, I, I talked to a good friend of mine who is a part of the Wolfpack Club and their biggest concern on the donation side of things is just what are they donating to with all the turnover that's happening, like you mentioned in, in the coaching coaching room. And just, you know, the, the overall mojo, I guess, would be a good way of putting it. The vibe uh, in Raleigh is just, you know, this team was a couple of years ago, really a field goal away from upsetting Clemson and being in the picture, excuse me, to potentially win the Atlantic. And now we're talking, I mean, it was two years ago, I was sitting sideline watching them get absolutely roasted by Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl. But, you know, to be in the Gator Bowl is no feasible small feat, you know, especially for a team like NC State who really doesn't have a huge history of being a a top 25 program. And I don't think they were ranked going into that game, but they were receiving votes. So, I mean, we're a year and a half removed from that. We're talking, you know, hot seats and just, you know, what the heck to expect from the Wolfpack. So, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, let's just kind of dive right into what we're talking about offensively, you know, at the quarterback position. I personally think that it's uh, it's Devin Leary's job to lose. Bailey Hockman would be a close second in my opinion. But, you know, I think Devin Leary has the most upside of the quarterbacks. You know, we we kind of talked about it. It's a, it's a four quarterback race. You know, who is your favorite and maybe like your – dark horse, you know, this backup that should win the job if the, your your top guy kind of struggles early in the year. 
So I, I'm kind of on the same page as the NC State fans. I'm into Devin Leary. He has the most upside. He's also the leading candidate in this race. And yes, he was a little bit shaky, but you know, let's not forget he was a four-star just a couple of years ago with a lot of upside. So, you know, I think Leary could make a little bit of an improvement this year and be one of the, probably not a top half quarterback, but you know, be serviceable and, you know, they have a good wide receiving core. So serviceable might be enough to get things going on offense. Other guys in the race, they're, you know, McKay, of course, transferred out. I forgot where he went somewhere, either I think FCS, maybe a lower level group of five school, but the other guys are Bailey Hockman, the Florida state transfer who got some snaps last year, but you know, he struggled pretty badly. Ben Finley is an interesting one. He is Ryan Finley's brother and a three-star from the 2020 class. So that could be a guy that might be, you know, an emergency backup and somebody exciting for the future. I looked at his film. I really liked it. And there's also Ty Evans, the redshirt freshman, who is a three-star in the 2019 class. So Yeah, that- absolutely. No, I, I think I think you got the nail on the head. I, I remember reading something. I can't remember what NC State fan site it came from, but they talked about how, you know, Ben Finley might end up emerging if, you know, whoever the starter might be, whether it be Hockman or Leary, struggles because he's been able to kind of practice with Ryan. I guess there's been some videos and just overall rumors surfacing of, you know, Ryan really sitting down and breaking down the offensive system that kind of has been in, in place there at State. And, of course, you know, no one better to kind of explain and, of course, he probably got to see it firsthand going to his brother's game. What do you expect when you arrive on campus playing in Raleigh and, you know, who Dave Doran is as a head coach and just kind of what to expect overall. So you know, that is definitely something interesting. I, I haven't watched too much film on him, but I have heard that he potentially could be as good, if not better, than his brother, which I mean, Ryan had a heck of a career at State. So. I'm definitely excited for it. I definitely like the fact that these quarterbacks will have some solid receivers to throw to. And I kind of want your opinion on these receivers. I'm very high on Emeka Amezi, as well as Thayer Thomas and Devin Carter. I think all three guys really can make NC State an explosive offense. I mean, they struggled with some drops last year, but overall, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a top three ACC receiving core, but it's arguably in the top half of the conference, which know is huge when you have so much uncertainty at the quarterback position but any of the receivers I mentioned kind of stand out to you maybe of course you're the one that breaks down film more than I do and know so much more about the individual players in terms of you know their PFF stats and everything like that you know what what's your opinion on this receiving core at state yeah no PFF darlings here but I'm really a fan of Amika Mezzi as well you know He's going to be the leading target in the offense. Didn't have a huge season production-wise last year, only 576 yards, but I think that was mostly based off of the fact of the quarterback situation. So I you know, I definitely think that these receivers are going to be solid, although I don't think that they will you know, make up for a bad quarterback situation. I think it definitely, like I said earlier, I think, Whoever it is, probably Devin Leary, they need to be able to at least be serviceable, give the receivers a chance to make plays in order for the passing offense to be relevant in any way. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that is going to be huge for NC State moving forward, of course, you know, quarterback play and these receivers being able to make plays for their, you know, their quarterback, whoever it might be. But, you know, Bam Knight's a solid, solid piece out of the backfield. You know, NC State did struggle a little bit rushing the football. They were ninth in the conference, 75, 75th, excuse me, nationally with 151.2 yards per game. Will they get that going? Of course, that offensive line is bringing back pretty much everybody, minus their starting right tackle, which right now looks like it would be a senior who had some uh, playing time over the last few years and Justin Witt stepping in. You know, can NC State give a little bit of alleviation of the pressure for their quarterback with the running game with Bam Knight? You know, how do you see this NC State offense being successful uh, with so much uncertainty going around the quarterback play? You know, can the run game kind of carry the backs uh, of the rest of the offense? Can the offensive line, you know, give the quarterback time, but also help establish the run? Kind of what do you see? I know we, we talked about the individual pieces, but I know personally, I actually think NC State's offense will take a, a drastic step forward this year, which I've been the guy on all these podcasts that have been, ah, not sure. We don't know. You know, we talked about yesterday with North Carolina's defense. Not sure, you know, because we haven't had a, a spring ball to see if they've really improved. Well, for once, I'm actually on the, the optimistic side of things. I do think NC State's going to take a huge step forward offensively this year. But, you know, what is your opinion on, on the running game, the offensive line? It is overall, we know the quarterback issues or situation. I wouldn't even say issues, but just the uncertainty of all of it. You know, can the pieces around them kind of make up for it? Yeah. You know, NC State probably has a top three offensive line in the country. Or not the country, I'm sorry. In the conference. Um, you know, there's Clemson, Boston College. I put NC State third, and um, the left side of that offensive line very strong. I believe in my ACC teams they were both second teams in Joe Schoolthorpe and Ikem Ukwanu, um, left guard and the left tackle. So I'm a fan of Bam Knight. He is, you know, kind of that really explosive player, a playmaker. Um, so I think the run game could be a pretty solid, I, I, it's going to be about getting, you know, Bam Knight into space though. He's not maybe one of those backs that's going to be plunging up the middle and behind that offensive line. That's the only problem, but the run game could be pretty solid. I, I worry more about the passing game when I think about the NC state offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for all all the optimism I have, of course, about NC State's offense and, and, you know, obviously the uncertainty at the quarterback position, but overall just, you know, at least returning some pieces offensively. Let's move it over to the defensive side of the ball where I'm going to be honest with you, Dan, I have no idea what to expect from NC State. Four returning starters, a team that was giving up, you know, an average of 30 points a game last year, which was... 10th in the conference. I mean, it's hard to lose so much and expect improvement, especially with the loss of spring ball. And, you know, I don't, if I remember correctly, NC state has not reported to any voluntary voluntary workouts yet. Maybe they have, I can't remember. I know Virginia is one that hasn't, I think NC state is still, you know, really not had anyone report. So really I haven't had much, you know, football for NC state this uh, off season. You know, defensively, you know, is there really anything I'm missing here? I mean, 
I, I feel like, you know, obviously last year they, they kind of switched where, like, how they lined up defensively. They switched to the 3 3 5 stack, which obviously helps, but, you know, with in terms of, you know, it'll be a second year in the system. But, you know, what do we really expect? I mean, Vi Jones, the solid transfer out of USC, you know, so it does give some options, you know, at the linebacker position. But again, it's just a lot of, you know, plug and place pieces, guys that were, you know, sitting behind talent last season. I mean, Dan, anyone on defense you really want to talk about or maybe a group within the system that is going to be better than I'm, you know, I'm stating already here? I think the front seven actually might be pretty solid. I'm a very big fan of Aleem McNeil, their um, defensive tackle, who is had not the best year last year, but I think he really breaks out this year. He has a ton of talent and um, – but I do think the linebackers actually are a pretty solid core. Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson going along with, of course, that USC transfer, as you mentioned, Vi Jones. And, um, you know, they also return a starter in Luis Asias. So that probably is the strongest part of their defense. I do agree with that switch to 3-3-5, though, because that defensive backfield, they had a rough time last year, that secondary what concerns me the most about this defense. Yes, they were injured, but, you know, not really any standouts here, to be honest. I do like Tanner Engel and Tyler Baker-Williams, but I don't think that, you know, this secondary should see any drastic improvements, even with health. So that's really what worries me, and I feel like teams could exploit NC State through the air. Absolutely. I mean... This is a team that that struggled in the, in the passing game last year. So giving up two hundred and fifty five plus yards per game, you know, in the hundreds nationally. So you know there really isn't much room, uh, but it going up because you know they really were near the bottom in a lot of the categories defensively last year. Um, one thing that's really important, I think, we should talk about real quick before we kind of dive into special teams and recruiting a little bit. The negative 14, excuse me, negative 13 turnover margin last year, which was worst in the conference, 126 nationally. That's an average of turning the ball over one time per game in terms of a negative turnover margin. So not a good look for the Wolfpack by any means. Um, you know, it didn't help that, you know, Leary threw five interceptions, Hockman threw four, McKay threw one. I mean, that's 10 interceptions right there between three quarterbacks. Not the most ideal thing in the world. I, if I remember correctly, they had some number around eight to 10 fumbles as well. Now, they, they struggled turning the ball over. Um, you know, then they also had an issue of kind of creating turnovers. They didn't do a very good job of, you know, really, you know, preventing their opponents from, you know, making mistakes. They, they didn't force any by any means. So, you know, that's something that definitely needs to improve for the Wolfpack, I think, at the quarterback position this year. That something we should see some improvement on is them just not turning the ball over with the amount of film work I'm sure these guys have done, you know, with their coaches over these Zooms and everything like that. And just not being able to go out and do as much field work. I would like to think that they're going to, the IQs of quarterbacks this year will be a lot better than they have in years past just because you know, they're going to have so much more time to watch game film and really be prepared for what their opponents are throwing at them and kind of how to adjust their reads and everything like that moving forward when they see tendencies and stuff like that. So, you know, 
that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Of course, the special teams is in pretty decent hands, especially in the kicking game. I gave you a hard time for it not too long ago. I don't know if it was on the pod or if it was just on Twitter itself. Uh, I think you said you kind of changed your mind a little bit, or at least it's a lot more 50-50. But, you know, you had Christopher Dunn as the, as the top kicker in the ACC. And by all means, he has a reason to be in a conversation. And he was fantastic last year as a freshman. Um, so, I mean, 21 of 24 in field goal attempts. Made all 28 of his uh, point after attempts. So, all pretty big things to kind of see. And, and definitely will be helpful for an NC State team that, you know, if they struggle to get into the uh, – put up touchdowns, at least, you know, you can – get three points if you get down to the red zone. Uh, that kind of brings up my point, too, that NC State last year was averaging 31.46 plays between touchdowns on offense, which was worse in the conference and 120th nationally. So something also to kind of keep an eye on is can NC State have some sustained scoring drives because, you know, it's not a good look when you've basically had five or six drives between touchdowns and games. Not, not, not ideal, Dan. I, I think we can all agree on that one, but – um, you know, any thoughts on, you know, what I mentioned with both the, the special teams and just some of the statistics of turning the ball over and being able to, you know, have scoring drives. <laughs> yeah. Um, the kicker situation, you know, Christopher Dunn, man, that guy is accurate. And, you know, the only reason I had him above Skiba was because I think, you know, you get into that 49, 50 range Skiba will be have will not be able to, you know, kick it from there while Don will be able to knock it through. So that's kind of the difference. But yeah, I've kind of changed my mind. Skiba is just, you know, he just doesn't miss. So, you know, Wake Forest fans, don't worry. I I'm on your side now. But yeah. That's kind of my take on the special teams. The turnover yeah, they did not do a very good job of holding on to the ball. And, um, yeah, it's going to definitely be something they need to approve upon in order for their offense to, you know, get going in 2020. Yeah, so one thing to talk about, NC State's recruiting class. Dan, you might know a little bit more than I do. I, I don't know too much about it. You know, it kind of the middle of the pack in the conference wasn't <laughs> – wasn't great. wasn't terrible. I think that's part of the reason there is some concern, you know, in Raleigh is just with NC State's uh, recruiting class and just, you know, the, the overall progress of the program, I guess would be the best way of putting it. But are there any recruits that you've seen that, that kind of stood out to you uh, in a recruiting class that, you know, sixth in the ACC and 41st nationally? So again, not great, not terrible. Uh, anyone that, you know, you want to talk about? Um, yeah, there's a couple, two four stars in that class and, you know, 41st overall is good for six in the ACC. In 2021, that won't be the case. If you're 41st, that's probably bottom of the conference, at least as of now. So, but yeah, two four stars, Porter Rooks, first, the wide receiver and in-state talent. You know, he may get some good playing time as a third or fourth receiver, of course, behind a Mezzi, Thomas and Carter. So brings a little bit of depth into the receiving room. The other four-star would be Davin Van. Um, also, the quarterback, Ben Finley, I touched on him, one of those quarterback candidates. But one of the more underrated guys I liked was the cornerback, Aiden White, who's another in-state kid. And he might need, some put, he might need to put some weight on, but 
he has some really good film and you know that secondary like I said for NC State really struggled so he has a chance to make an impact right away yeah absolutely I think I mean obviously we talked about Ben Finley earlier that's a, a huge piece especially with just the familiarity of the program always helps uh, I did watch some of the highlights of Porter Rooks and man that kid can play so It'll be exciting to see kind of him kind of fill out that wide receiver core even more, you know, see him get some reps, you know, during the season. NC State, like you said, you know, if they have the same type of recruiting class ranking as of right now, you know, that's near the bottom of the conference. And they did take a step back. They've, they were 32nd. They're right now 37th for 2021. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But it is also 10th in the ACC. So kind of like what you said, you know, Based off what's going on right now, of course, it's it's early for 2021, but, you know, they're improved from last year nationally. They're back a, a decent amount of slots in the ACC itself. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they hit the ground recruiting. Um, of course, you know, we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but, you know, the rumors of, of the hot seat for Dave Doran that could play a little bit of a role in the things. But looking at 2020, Let's kind of take a little deep dive into the schedule. You know, I'll keep using this disclaimer. This could change by the time someone listens to it in a month or two, if they pull this up in August or something like that. But you know, hopefully everything should go on as scheduled with or without fans. It's probably, in my opinion, the biggest question moving forward, not so much if and when they're playing. But we have heard some, you know, rumors about some teams not willing to, to fly. These are FCS teams, but you know, that could affect other team schedules moving forward. It does not affect NC State currently, but as that development kind of continues, we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But NC State did have news this week in regard to their schedule. I'm sure you saw it, Dan. You know, they moved their uh, game from Thursday night at Louisville to open the season on September 3rd to Wednesday night. So they're going to have a night all to themselves, kicking off college football, especially if we don't have week zero games, which, again, who knows. But if we don't, then that will be the start of college football. If not, you know, it's the first time the ACC's played on a Wednesday night in a non-bowl game, I think, ever, excuse me, is what I saw. So that's kind of cool to, to experience. Um, you know, NC State, Louisville, kind of an interesting little tidbit. We'll kind of talk about them when we go into conference play. But out of conference, honestly, a pretty intriguing schedule. Uh, we'll I'll let, kind of let you give us your, your thoughts on it, Dan. But Mississippi State at home, and of course, Mike Leach and, and KJ Costello, that kind of duo could be pretty deadly offensively for the, uh, the Bulldogs. Of course, last time state versus state happened was in the Belk Bowl a few years ago. I sat in the pouring down rain to watch Dak Prescott absolutely destroy uh, NC State in Charlotte. And it was Jacoby Brissett's last game as well. So that was a cool little matchup to watch. But, man, it was not fun weather-wise. They go to Troy. Uh, it's kind of cool. This is the, the replay of the home-and-home home that happened that I was at. My first ever NC State home game was against Troy. That, that game was famous for, I don't know if you remember it, Dan, the NC State defender, I can't remember who it was, literally blew up the, the running back, and he, or running back or quarterback for Troy, and he literally, this helmet popped right off. It was used in a lot of highlight videos. But then also they host Delaware, an FCS team that you know pretty much is just known for Joe Flacco. Nothing else really there to talk about. And then, of course, Liberty, who, you know, this week has been very eventful for Liberty losing probably four or five of their top guys on their team. Their highest ever rated commit has, you know, entered the transfer portal. I guess they're making their decisions here fairly soon, which is kind of exciting to think about. But, you know, there's a lot of turmoil going on there. Liberty, you know, 
Dan, what are your thoughts on this non-conference schedule? Do you see any losses? Uh, kind of where, where, where's your head at for the Wolfpack in these four non-conference games? Yeah, I think this is a three and one. Um, the loss coming to Mississippi State. Mississippi State, not one of those better SEC teams, but they're a solid program, and I really like KJ Costello, so I think he could maybe exploit that NC State secondary. Maybe a little bit closer than the people on the SEC side expect, but I think the Bulldogs also, you know, you like to talk about schedule placement. They should have the right, they should have their minds in the right place with that game sandwiched between New Mexico and Arkansas for Mississippi State. Um, at Troy, you know, NC State, a team that could potentially be exploited by top group of five programs, but people are not really high on the Trojans this year. They really have low expectations. They are one of the better Sunbelt programs, I'd say, but they're coming off of a 5-7 and seven season, and they're losing a lot, including that all-conference quarterback, Caleb Barker. So I think the Wolfpack take care of business there. Same thing with Liberty. I think that's kind of, you know, Liberty loses, of course, Antonio Gandy-Golden and their quarterback. So... I think they kind of take care of business there, and Delaware, not really much to say. Just hopefully they don't pull a pit and have it be close. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I see the Wolfpack going 4-0. and um, Let my ACC bias kick in a little bit. I'm not completely sold on KJ Costello and, and Mike Leach teaming up to be this, you know, absolutely insane air raid offense. And this is not an insult to Mike Leach as a coach or KJ Costello. I just wonder with the lack of spring ball, you know, the systems, you know, the system over at Stanford's a lot different than the system that Mike Leach is going to run, of course, over with the, the Bulldogs. So I kind of like NC State here. I, it's a lot harder for me to genuinely lead, lean with the Wolfpack on this one with the thought of the 50% capacity or less, just because, you know, part of the reason why I kind of saw it was with Carter Finley, when it's rocking, it is rocking. So I think that could have obviously played a huge role in helping NC State win this one. But I'm just going to stick with my gut. I think Dave Doran's got, you know, he needs a game like that to kind of prove that he's still the guy for the job. I think this team's going to be bought in to kind of figure it out. They're going to have a chance. I think they're going to be kind of hungry. Also going to be a little bit more well-rested considering they're playing on a Wednesday night against Louisville now. So they'll give them almost a, a full they're going to have a full week in so yeah the 50 percent capacity could play a role and you know kind of swaying this but i'll stick with my gut here and i'll stick with the wolf pack like i said dave doran kind of needs this game to kind of solidify the don the donors and just the athletic department in general that he's still the guy for the job we'll talk about this here you know after we kind of break down the schedule but you know i, I think that dave doran is you know it, it's not his time yet so I think this will be one of those statement wins, no pun intended, to kind of prove that, you know, he should be around at least a couple more years. The at Troy game honestly stands out to me as maybe the most difficult game because it is a little bit of that trap if they beat Mississippi State. You know, Troy is one of those places that I don't think you've ever been, Dan. I have been. Absolutely wonderful place to catch a game. Alabama is known for its football, but no one, of course, thinks Troy People think Alabama, Auburn, UAB, well before they think Troy. But the fan base down there in Troy, Alabama is phenomenal. I'm a big fan of the Chip Lindsey hire for the Trojans. Of course, last year went 5-7, and seven, replacing an absolutely phenomenal coach in Neil Brown, who went on 
to go coach at West Virginia, who, of course, beat the Wolfpack last year. Or, excuse me, lost to the Wolfpack last year. Excuse me. So, you know, it's definitely something to kind of take into consideration. Like you said, you know, losing an all-conference and, and their leader at quarterback, you know, it's probably enough for them to kind of you know, not have enough to compete with NC State. They're very similar to NC State in terms of returning. They have eight on offense returning as well. And then they have at, at a quarterback situation, they're not sure who the starter is going to be. They're returning five defensive defensive starters, where, of course, the Wolfpack are returning four. So I think overall, just, you know, talent wins this one. So that's kind of why I land on, on NC State. You know, we mentioned Liberty. I won't dive into it, but there's just so much going on with Liberty. And, and before I forget, there's a lot going on at Mississippi State right now, of course, with Kylan Hill talking about potentially sitting out if they don't fix the state flag situation down there in Mississippi. You know, if that's not solved and pretty soon, you know, they've got two, three months. That game's early in the year. If Kylan Hill sits out, then I think NC State should win that football game, and they should be favored. So definitely something to kind of keep an eye on as well. But going into ACC play, you know, not the most difficult schedule. They're crossover games. Of course, they're going to get rival North Carolina to end the year. Uh, switching with Virginia, Virginia Tech for a Black Friday matchup. So, you know, Dan, you know, it's nice to kind of see that Virginia, Virginia Tech matchup finally move back to the natural Saturday that it should be on. And then, of course, the other crossover game being Duke. Kind of cool this year that all the in-state teams of North Carolina will play each other ACC-wise. I'm definitely excited to see that. It's always kind of fun. You know, we saw it with Wake last year playing all three ACC teams. So it'll be cool to actually have a true big four champion this year probably. So, you know, within the schedule, Dan, you know, you had them three and one out of conference. What do you have them ending or finishing, I should say? And, you know, what are the games that you see as losses for the Wolfpack? Losses, I think. So I see two and six in the conference, actually. So, um, so then I give have, me your win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I have wins at against. I'm sorry, Duke and Boston College. Both are actually at home. So, you know, I think those are kind of the other bottom teams in the conference. As much as I hate to say it like that, but. I like the matchups of these games too, you know, Duke, Duke and NC state. That's a nice little in-state rival. That might be a matchup. Of course it's mid season, but really could determine which team goes bowling. But you know, Duke is a little weak at receiver. So maybe the passing game is actually kept in check by that secondary. And also NC state of course has that offensive line to hold up that Duke strong pass rush with Rump and Dimu Keiji. So that's why I like NC State in that one. And Boston College, you know, another pretty even mashup where I give the home team the edge. You know, the maybe not the most exciting matchup. It'll be a matchup of offensive lines and run games. But <laughs> NC State, you know, has the superior receivers, in my opinion, that might make the plays to pull it off in the final minutes. So that's what I've got. Two and six. Those are the two wins. Um could dive into some of the losses in a little bit, but I'm curious to see what are you thinking for conference record? We're the exact same two and six for me wins with Duke and Boston college. I do want to say, I definitely were a little hesitant on potentially picking an upset win over wake forest or Florida state, Florida state more just because I think Mike Norvell is going to have the Knowles going in the right direction. He has the pieces there to do so. But, you know, I just keep picturing Willie Taggart's team going on the road and, and finding a way to lose games like that. So, again, who knows? That one could be a little bit of a toss-up. We'll probably know more 
course, about that matchup uh, a couple weeks in, kind of what to expect. The Wake Forest matchup, to be honest, I kind of liked NC State in this one just because kind of the matchup of it all. I think hopefully by then NC State will kind of have their quarterback situation figured out a little bit, a little bit of a revenge factor, but you know me and my history. Wake Forest, is, you know, of course, last year dominated NC State and pulled off an upset on a Thursday or Friday night two years ago at Carter Finley. So kind of sitting there, you know, two and six. Of course, for me, that puts them at six and six, or it puts you at, at five and seven. So I have the Wolfpack going bowling. But you said you kind of want to talk about some of those losses. Of course, I mentioned my two kind of potential upset wins with Florida State and um, Wake Forest. I don't see them beating Syracuse. I really don't think they have a chance as well at North Carolina. So, you know, where are you, where are your head at for, for some of these losses or any games where, you know, you at least hesitated on predicting a loss for the Wolfpack? I'd say there's one. Um, so the losses I have, I'll read them off. Louisville, Florida State, Clemson. Well, you know, I really have to talk about that. Syracuse, Wake Forest, North Carolina. I think five out of six of those teams are, you know, far superior, but – at Syracuse, I kind of scratched my head a little bit. It's another relatively even matchup. But, you know, I also went with the home team here. I like Syracuse's defensive backs a little more. I like their defensive front a little more. And, you know, they more upside at the on the offensive side of the ball. Tommy DeVito might take that step up. So that's where I'm thinking. That's where my head's at for their conference losses. But, you know, Louisville... Uh, North Carolina, either of those make you think a little bit? Not really. Um, I, I think because of so much uncertainty, you know, with the quarterback position, you know, the Louisville game, no real thinker there for me. I think you know, we know way too much about Louisville, and they're the better team by far in terms of, in my opinion, you know, what we know especially in the North Carolina don't really, don't really need to talk about that one. I think that that one might be worse than the Clemson game and score, in my opinion, if North Carolina needs a statement win, again, no pun intended, to kind of end the season and kind of solidify itself as a top 15 team. Of course, you have them winning the Coastal. You know, that would be a chance to kind of create this hype for the AC championship game that we really haven't had in a while. You know, something to kind of take into consideration, but not really. I do want to talk about, though, of course, I have NC State going to a bowl game at six and six, which you know it, it is a nice, you know, important step up. Of course, from last year's four and eight, even you have them improving by a game from four and eight to five and seven, and of course, winning one more conference game than they did last year. All these rumors are kind of going around about Dave Dorn being on the hot seat, and if they don't perform this year, then he might be out. What's your opinion on that, Dan? Based off your five and seven projection, what do you? Where would you rate the, the temperature of, of Dave Doran's seat at the end of the year? Is he out the door? Is it getting really, really warm? Is he, uh, is he chilling down in, in Texas in the middle of the summer where it's just dry heat and 160 degrees? Kind of, Where's your head at with Dave Doran at your 5-7 and seven projection? So on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being extremely cold and 10 being scorching hot, I'm actually only going to go with 6. I think, you know... He has another down year. That's when he, when the hot seat talk is going to really be relevant, in my opinion. But he's had a pretty solid resume at NC State. I'd say he has not exceeded expectations, but he's probably met expectations. 47-42 and 42 record over seven years. One eight-win season and two nine-win seasons, so not bad. Of course, his down years are really down. So 
you know, there's, you can take that into consideration. But as of now, I don't think that we really – NC State fans should give up on Doran yet. I think, you know, the time to really be thinking about that is if he has another down season. But then again, that is what we expect. So, you know, maybe I'm a little bit starting to, you know – the seat is starting to heat up, but I won't say he's on the hot seat. Yeah, that's fair. I think with your 5-7 and seven projection, I would give him a 6 as well. Because, I mean, missing back-to-back bowl games, even though NC State's not known for being historically a great program. No one really wants, you know, NC State has, I'm going to say it, Tar Heels fans, be ready to be pissed off. Most dedicated fan base in the ACC. They show out regardless of how bad their team is. Um, you know, they have a very loyal supporter. It's also the most expensive season ticket. I've been looking at season ticket prices for the ACC, and it is by far the most expensive season ticket in, in the ACC, or not in the ACC, excuse me, but in the North Carolina. And really, besides Clemson, it's more expensive than Virginia Tech. It's more expensive than Florida State. It's more expensive than Miami. So really is the most expensive ticket besides Clemson in the ACC. So, you know, if you're paying that much to see five and seven and four and eight every year, not really going to fly over very well among the season ticket holders, the fan base in general. So definitely something to keep an eye on with my six and six. I think it, it would be more of like a, a four or so. Um, again, that just kind of varies on, you know, where Dave Doran's at, you know, in terms of recruiting really going South or, and of course we have all these rumors and, and just stories coming out about coaches, of course, you know, the West Virginia coach was just put on leave. I can't remember if it was a defensive line coach or whatever position he was in. But, you know, if something like that were to come out at NC State, that's where, you know, his heat index can go way up real quick. But, I mean, I, I personally genuinely believe in Dave Doran. I think that Eli Drinkowitz may have been a huge piece of why he was successful for so long, especially offensively. But I wouldn't rule this guy out. I, I don't think that. I also don't know who NC State would land that much better. I mean, if we look at rankings of programs in the ACC, they're top five, maybe, in the conference for jobs. Um, you know, North Carolina's not a bad place to recruit. They have pretty good facilities. It does stink that they're off campus. But, you know, overall, it wouldn't be the worst, you know, spot to be. Raleigh's a nice city to live in. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Dave Doran has a winning record at State. So it's not like he's out here, you know, under 500 and had only one or two good years. He's been pretty good in bowl games as well. And he's really not paid that much compared to ACC coaches. I mean, one and a half million dollars is not a drastic pay number. So, you know, it's something definitely something to, to consider. But I, I think he's good for now. And I personally would love to see him have two or three more years, um, you know, three years if, if they're still going to bowl games. Two, if, you know, let's say this year they're five and seven and next year they're five and seven, then maybe you kind of talk about right, that's three straight years and no bowl games. But I think if he's getting them to bowl games pretty much every year, and, you know, the worst blemish on this thing was a four and eight season with losing his, you know, offensive coordinator to Appalachian State and, of course, losing, you know, not the best quarterback he's ever had at NC State. But by far, you know, a, a very talented quarterback and kind of getting stuck with a very young quarterback room. You know, I think there's a little bit of room for a leeway. And even with this year, with the lack of spring ball, I think you can kind of wash this year out a little bit if they're bowl eligible or even five and seven, because there's only so much work you can do 
uh, over Zoom when it comes to, you know, creating that physicality that Dave Doran likes to have with his Wolfpack teams. So with that being said, Dan, do you have any, any last words, thoughts about the Wolfpack for 2020? Um, no, I think I, we kind of said it all, you know, they don't probably bottom tier of the ACC, but you know, won't be, won't be a, you know, a horrible year. They do have potential for a couple wins. They do have potential to go bowling. So, um, yeah, that really does it for NC state. You know, next week we've got Pitt. I'll be very excited to talk about that defense. I think a lot of people are starting to come around on that. So, yep, that's what i've got awesome well dan let's get excited for baseball even though we're still about a month away from that but can't wait to talk uh notre dame here in a minute and, and then pit next week so with that being said dan you take care and uh stay safe and we'll, we'll talk ac football here soon